and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Big Big Footy Bombercast. I am your host, Sponsor34, and I am trying very hard to be still interested in the Essendon Football Club, but Grizz, after Friday night, I must admit, my interest has waned substantially. I Look, the, the last few minutes, they came back, they got within 10 points. Yes, you know, we kicked inaccurately and all that sort of stuff in the first quarter. But at the end of the day, the Eagles, whilst it was a better Eagles team than we've seen in previous weeks, they are still a very poor side at the moment. And we did not turn up at all. If you look at how they played against the Kilda, then versus the Eagles, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah, uh, it's sort of back to normal programming for us this week, isn't it? We had the, a bit like after the Hawthorne win, we're all up and about and then sort of just got um, squashed the week after. Um, but yeah, I said after the game that um, I think I said it was one of the worst losses of the last couple of years. I, I'd probably change that now to probably one of the most infuriating losses of the last few years just because, like you said, we kicked poorly in that first half where, you know, I think we were 7-11 at one point and the Eagles were 9-3. And uh, but most importantly, you know, we won sort of all the main stats. We won clearances. We won inside 50s. We won contested possession. You name a stat that normally indicates that you're going to win. We won it, but we didn't because we kicked in accurately the first half and we absolutely gimmied some goals to the West Coast with some horrendous turnovers in the second half. It was a performance which is infuriating, I think, because we did a lot right at points, but we did we were just so clumsy with the ball. And more importantly, the defensive transition was back to normal programming, which is very disappointing. Um, we had an undersized defense, which was given no help by the pressure up the field. Yeah, so the undersized defense worked the week before, and we sort of spoke about it last week, and I think you and I were in agreement that even though it did work, it's still absolutely moronic that they're going with such an undersized defense. And, and that was you know, basically demonstrated on, on, on Friday night because the Eagles didn't fall into the trap that the Saints did, which was we'll just kick it long to a contest, have the ball hit the deck, and then our Mosquito fleet would run it out. You know, they actually had a, a tall target in Josh Kennedy who clunked a few marks, kicked five. Jack Darling kicked a couple. You know, that sort of strategy of of a smaller back line probably works against the St Kilda where they've got one target in Max King. But then you play against a multi-prong attack like the Eagles and it makes you look silly. Yeah, well... The Eagles had 18 marks inside 50, the average eighth of the season. So they've doubled their average marks inside 50 count. Part of that has to do with how the ball sort of being moved off their halfback line sort of without any resistance, which like we said, was sort of back to normal programming for us, which is unfortunate. But you're right, they, they, they were honouring leads and they were honouring the free man inside 50. They weren't just sort of pumping it long and... I think Ridley picked up a shoulder knock early, which meant we didn't really have many options for Kennedy and Ridley was at half rat power basically after that point. So dirty night for the defenders. I, I don't understand. Um, well, well, I understand the theory of, you know, playing small defense. If we pressure up the field, we'll be able to rebound it out faster. But um, we've shown two or three times this season that we're able to pressure teams at an elite level, which means we're just leaving our defence sort of, I suppose, isolated and undersized. I don't understand why, you know, I think I posted this on the board as well in a conversation with a couple of other posters that, you know, if Zerk Thatcher isn't playing now of all times with Stewart injured and, 
an undersized defense, what's he doing on the list? Like, what? Why would we drop Zach Reed? Why isn't Katie Brand play? Like, we have five key defenders playing in the VFL, and we have none at AFL level. It just makes no sense. And, and if you play one of those key defenders instead of Ridley playing on Kennedy, he plays on Waterman, and he can actually fold off. And so, even if you know Zach Thatcher or Brand isn't as good a one-on-one defender as Ridley. Ridley's able to peel off and help them and hopefully intercept and get us moving back the other way. Like just structurally, we look so much better um, with Ridley on the third tall, but we just, I, I don't understand why they, they refused to do it at this point, but it was crucified on the weekend and this weekend it's Buddy and Logan McDonald and McDonald's been in pretty good form. So I, I genuinely fear <laughs> what we're going to do, uh, what's going to happen if, if we play them. I, yeah. It, I want to touch on the goal kicking. Um, we ended with 14, 13. You know, we, we, we fluffed a couple of really good chances in the first half. Peter Wright probably should have kicked 6-2 or 5-3 or at least with some of the chances. You know, Nick Martin missed a snap from 35 out directly in front with a minute and a half left, 20 seconds left. Caldwell Burns right running back to goal and, and misses as well. We left so many chances on the board in that first half. We really should have been two or three out. Yeah, we should have been. I mean, Archie Perkins kicked one three, which wasn't great. You know, Nick Martin, you mentioned 2-2, two, two, Peter Wright 4-4. Four, four. You know, Jakey Stringer kicked three straight, which was, which was good to see. He, he's sort of back in a fair bit of form now, which is always nice. Caldwell and Hind also missed some shots that, you know... On another day, who knows? Maybe they maybe they score them. But yeah, it was a tough it was a tough old day. Um, I think the other thing the Eagles did rather well for 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 the game was they just they just defended better. Um, yep. We had you know, they, they actually we actually conceded four four rush behind. So on our last line, I thought we were under pressure a bit more um, overall. But yeah, there. Were, I mean, there was a period there where I think the Eagles, you know, kicked six or seven straight, and at one stage it was like, are these pricks ever going to miss? And that, and that, was, you know, and, yeah, and that sort was, of stuff plays into your mind as a player. But it's no, yeah, at the end of the day, it's no real excuse because I look, yeah, as I said, the, the Eagles, they weren't the same team that we got in previous weeks, but. You know, they still some of the blokes they brought back weren't at full strength. So you know, it's, yeah, you, you do look at it and go, where where have we been? What are we doing? You know, um, I mean, Jamie Cripps has been pretty average this year, and we let him kick three two. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I, know, I, I like Jamie Cripps as a player, but you know, he's been pretty average this year. So you know, and and, yeah. and the other th- and the, I think the other frustrating thing is. Well, if you look at look at the look at the stats for the Eagles, and you go, well, you know, Jack Redden had twenty two, Shuey had twenty one, Duggan had twenty, Elliot Yo had twenty. Yeah, you know, they didn't have any huge possession winners. They just spread the ball nicely, and yeah, just for whatever reason, the boys just decided that I think they got ahead of themselves. Maybe um, and just on the just on the defender thing. You're right about Zerk Thatcher. I mean, again, dominated the VFL. Had nine nine marks, seventeen disposals, playing down back. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I, I mean, okay, you don't want to play if you want to give Reed a break. You want to give him a rest, or he's injured, or whatever. That's fine. But Zerk Thatcher's got to come in. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, Reed actually did play in the VFL too. So, so the, the, they they said he picked up an injury, but if he's playing VFL, I don't know what injury he picked up. So at one point they were ten and three, or ten goals three, and we were like seven goals eleven. And it's just like, <laughs> well, we've had what you know five more scoring shots, or yeah, five more scoring shots, and you know there's somehow two and a half goals in front. It was just bonkers, <laughs> really. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, like 
yeah so maybe a couple of positives because you know it was only a 10 point game it felt like it was way more but it was only a 10 point game peter wright you know goal kicking aside i think he's more normally more accurate than that but goal kicking aside like he was unstoppable particularly in that first half and i think in general our forward line setup is far more effective now with him stringer and jones up there we talked about it briefly last week but you could see you know jones and stringer working off ball to help him out draper off ball helping him out when we're able to isolate right 1v1 like we did in that first half, he looks a million bucks. Like he looks probably our most dangerous forward out there when he's up and running. And, and his contested mark in that first half was excellent. It was. And you're right. He he, he did dominate. And we do look a lot better now that we've got Wright and Stringer. Um, and dare I say it, um, Matt Golfie's finally managed to work out what a small forward looks like as well at the moment with his couple of goals <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. So the, the forward line structure looks better. But, yeah, Peter um, Peter did miss probably two or three shots he should have got. He should have at least kicked six or seven, as you, as you alluded to, which obviously gets us, um, well, I mean, if he kicks six, we, you know, it's a draw. If he kicks seven, we win the game. Yeah, but, I mean, that, I know it's a simplistic way of looking at it, but the reality is it, at one stage there, uh, it was three, it, you know, we were 29 to eight up, so we were 21 points up. You come out, you come out... Um, of quarter time where we were 14 points up. Jamie Cripps kicks a goal very early, goes down to Peter Wright to, to answer back for us and, and he misses and they got the other end, bang a couple through, hit the front and then it, they never really looked back. I mean, we did steal the lead back, you know, briefly from another Peter Wright goal, but it really was just a, a disappointing performance if you look at it from that point. But you're right, we do have to look at the positives and, and he was good. And another one that I thought was good and he's a player that, I read our board earlier this week, Chris, and, and people were going, what's going on with this bloke? And I'm not sure if you know who I'm going to mention here, but but I don't understand why people are suddenly all of, all of a sudden getting getting stuck into Zach Merritt because I don't think he's been all that bad this year. I thought he's been perfectly fine. Yeah. It's just yeah. for some reason, now all of a sudden people are looking at Zach Merritt going, oh, he's he's not the same player he was. But but just let me run through some stats for you. So he's, he's down he's down on average by about two disposals from last year, which I'm not too stressed about because he had averaged 31 last year, 29 this year. So it is, you know, not that bad. He, he doesn't hit the scoreboard that much. But again, didn't hit the scoreboard that much last year. His tackled numbers are, are down a little bit on last year, but he's still third for tackles this year um, behind Caldwell and Shield. His clearances are still about the same. His inside 50s are about the same. His rebound 50s are still about the same. I mean, I look at this bloke and go, he actually, he, I don't see what the fuss is. I mean, am I missing something? Are, are we, is, is Zach markedly down of form that, that sort of calls for the attention that he's sort of got this week? No, so I think, okay, long answer, no. I think there's a, vis, there's a visible, there's visibly less, damage with his disposals but i think that's more that that's more emblematic of the team and the fact that we have struggled to move the ball so much this year and so when there's when you know the ball movement's stagnant and there's not a lot of options going forward it's hard for you to utilize Zach's greatest skill, which is his decision-making and his kicking skills. And in terms of the raw numbers, no, he, he's perfectly fine. Um, the tackles, you know, he had six tackles this weekend, seven last weekend, four the weekend before that, seven against Port Adelaide. So he's cracking into the contest. 
Like, oh, I I think we ha- of all the problems Essendon has, Zach Merritt is well well down the list. If he is even a problem, I I still think he's been perfectly fine this year. I think he's still a Crichton chance at this point. He'll have to beat out Nick Martin, but that's a story for another day. I think his midfield running man, Dylan Shiel, um, the the Shiel v Parish rivalry continues. So Dylan Shiel, just for reference. Nine clearances, seven tackles, which like you can tell Shields' influence, but even slightly less disposals, only 26, so not a massive game, but he just provides so much drive through the midfield. I thought it was another strong game for him. That's three in a row. He's really starting to build into this back half of the year, I think. The, the other players I want to ask you about, so obviously I, I dare say we'll see Phillips come back this week on the mm. weekend. I'm not sure if you saw in the VFL, but uh, McBride played in the ruck. Baldwin had a bit of a run. Again, Baldwin in the ruck is, is ludicrous. Please stop doing that. Um, Josh Hare had a run in the ruck. They even, they even threw Aaron Fran- poor old Aaron Francis into the ruck. The forgotten Aaron Francis into the ruck. Who do, I, I'm assuming that we're going to keep Draper and drop Nick Bryan. But again, I thought Draper was disappointing on, on Friday night. And I, I, know, I know my bias towards Nick Bryan shines through a little bit here, but you know, again, Draper didn't lay any tackles, wasn't really that physical, didn't really, didn't take any marks, didn't really get involved in the game. And so yep. when, you, when you're up against someone like, you know, Jamison and, and, and Bailey and Williams, I, I just would have liked to have seen Draper take the game by the scruff of the neck. Well, Nick Bryan, look, Nick Bryan only had one more disposal than him. So he had the six, six kicks versus Sammy's five and the two handballs each. And he laid three tackles to Sammy's nil. And Sammy, Sammy obviously had the 25 hitouts, but I... I still look at that and go, Nick Bryan is still relatively new to the game at AFL level. Sam Draper's had a bit more time. So a game like Friday night where there's no Nick Natanui, I would have hoped that Sam Draper would have had a much larger impact than he did. Yeah, no, nah, Sammy was disappointing. So I'm you're, you're, you're sort of number one ticket holder of the Nick Bryan fan club. I'm the driver of the Sammy Draper train. And um, even I have to admit, he was pretty disappointing on... Friday night, I thought he was comprehensively beaten by Williams around the ground. Um, you know, you look at the disposals and they're not that different, but I just thought Williams had far more presence um, around the ground. And I thought at the crucial moments, Bailey Williams sort of won a lot of the crucial hitouts for clearances. And I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether I would rather Draper dropped at this point um, because I think we had the discussion a few weeks ago that I think, you know, going down the VFL and dominating the VFL, which I'm sure he would if he did that, might be better for Drapes at this point. But oh, I think we've got to figure out the ruck. The VFL ruck thing, you know, they rucked because McBride is generally the relief ruck. And um, he was just staying ruck this time. But I'm just looking at Sydney and I reckon you could get away with playing one ruck this week. You know, the, the, they have Tom Hickey and that's really it. So they must have, you know, sort of Sam Reid or... Or someone else chipping in yeah, in the Sam, ruck. Sam, yeah, Sam Ridge. Yeah, yeah so I, I, th- it, it, I wonder if you could go Nick Bryan and Peter Wright. Because I, yeah, because I'm, I'm not entirely sure that Andrew Phillips needs to come directly in, and I'm not entirely sure, based off this week, that Draper deserves to be in the team over Bryan. Although you know Draper did have a pretty good fortnight before that, so. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. I think the ultimate question needs to be asked about, do we fit Draper and Brian in the same team long-term? We've got to answer that question. 
sort of soon-ish, I think, because Nick Bryant had a contract at the end of the next year and you know clubs will be after him. So we sort of got to figure out who who we sort of want to want to sort of earmark as our ruck going forward, or whether we want to try play the two ruck system, which you know Richmond and uh, Melbourne have used to great effect this season. I suppose since you've brought up Sydney, let's let's look to this this week because I mean I don't know how much more we could talk about Friday night because it, it was bloody disappointing. So I I've looked at I look at the VFL Grizz and and, and think. If anyone's going to come in for us this week, apart from Darcy Parrish, who you'd imagine will be straight back into the side if he's fit, yep, it's mainly forward options. So, which is where I think your idea of playing one ruck, whether that be Brian or Drape, is not a bad idea because Kane Baldwin's actually been pretty good form in the VFL. So, you know, now he's actually got some touch there. Maybe you bring him up to have a crack oh. at AFL level because that... I wouldn't. Well, oh, sorry, you, you, you continue point, then I'll then I'll, I'll count. But but I mean, because the thing is, if you're dropping. One, if you're only playing one ruck, you still need that relief when Wright goes into the ruck. And I don't think Brian and or Draper, whoever it is, or Phillips, if they want to go full crazy, gives you that that option. So I think if you're going to look at someone like, if you're going to drop at all, you're probably bringing someone like a, a Kane Baldwin to have a crack again, because as I said, I think he's going to be the form. Jai Menzies, the other obvious one that has to come yeah. in, I think this week, he's kicked four goals. Unfortunately, it probably means that my mate Tom Hurd is, is no longer the next cab off the ranking, that small half forward forward pocket <laughs> position, which I'm genuinely disappointed about because I think he should have got a game at some point. And then you look down back. So you've got to find a way to, uh, to bring in one of our tall backs. And, and it's, again, a, a question of who you drop. And to be honest, I don't know who you drop outside of Dyson Heppel. And I know I've shot Bambi a little bit there, but... Um... <laughs> well, it depends on who you talk to in terms of shooting Bambi. Half the board would be happy with that suggestion. So my theory with Baldwin, Baldwin is he's kicking two or three game. He's been getting pretty consistent. He hasn't torn a game apart. And my theory with Caden Baldwin is he missed two and a half years of you know football development through under 16s and 18s through knee injuries. I would rather him play a solid amount of football as the number one guy in the VFL just to get some reps, you know, to use the basketball term, you know, there was a basketball, uh, you know, Clay Thompson who did his Achilles and then did an ACL or vice versa. And on his way back, he just said, look, I just got to get reps in. So he was doing the same drills over and over. He goes, I've, you know, I've missed that much basketball. I just need to get my reps in. And I feel like with Kane Baldwin, it's the same. He's missed so much football that getting the reps in as the number one guy at BFL level is probably going to be more valuable, valuable, sorry, than being the fourth guy, you know, behind Wright, Jones, Stringer um, at AFL level. Um, if someone gets injured, bring him in. And, you know, for the last few games of the season, you're going to bring him in um, sort of just to reward him for his VFL form. That's fine. But I don't think, you know, bringing him in as the fourth guy is better for his development at this point than just being the number one guy at BFL level and getting that confidence in his body. I think Menzi is a must. Um, I would actually just drop a tall for Menzi. Um, I'd drop I'd, whichever one of Brian or Draper you're not picking, I would drop them and bring in Menzi and then have Peter Wright as your relief ruck um, and play Menzi forward. Um, because one of the main issues we had last week was no crumbing presence at all and no pressure presence once the ball hit the ground. Um, Menti will help fix that a little bit. Um, so I think he needs to come in. And then the ultimate question is, like you said, down in defence, I thought D'Ambrosio was pretty quiet. So you got to ask the question of, okay, he's had two games. Do you want to send him back down to VFL to keep developing? Or do you think first performance was good enough to keep him in? In which case you're looking at 
you know, structurally do you drop Jake Kelly, but he's been probably our best, one of our better one to be one defenders this year. It's really out of him and Heppel, to be honest. Um, <laughs> unless you're going to go full crazy and, you know, I don't know, you want to drop someone else and move Heppel forward and shove a key to, like, it's, you, You're going to get really weird if you don't drop one of Heppel or Kelly if you want to fit in a key defender, which is probably what Truck's thinking. But uh, we discussed earlier that we think it's a, a pretty flawed um, system. So plenty to think about ahead of Sydney. Yeah, and just on Dan D'Ambrosio, I still probably wouldn't drop him because, I mean, we've seen what he can do at VFL level. So I think I'm not too sure how much there's to be gained by playing him at VFL versus AFL level at the moment. But, you know, if they drop him, I, I wouldn't be melting all over the place. I, I'd probably probably be okay with it. The other forward, of course, the other one that's, that kicked a few goals on the weekend was Alec Waterman. So that'll be interesting to see if he can get his spot back. But I do suspect there is potential now that he may have done his dash for the yeah. time being, unless there is injuries. But Grizz, we will move on now to a, a a topic that we have done, haven't touched for a couple of weeks, and that is, of course, the the best twenty two in twenty two. And the last time we mentioned this, we actually locked in our full back line, and we and we asked for uh, nominations for our half back line. And again, I think the message was fairly solid across the board. So, you know, um, we, we got some nominations there of Adam McPhee on a halfback line, Michael yep. Hurley at centre-half back, and then, you know, Michael Hibbard on the other halfback line. Um, some said Wellman, Hurley, Solomon. You know, it, it, it's a tough one with the... Uh, yeah, line, I, I, think that, I think this might be our strongest line in terms of which, you know, halfback flank is Dodora's favourite <laughs> when you think about it. So I had nine guys down as possibility. So we had Damien Hardwick, um, but he was named All-Australian in the back pocket. I don't think he made the back pocket because we picked Mark Johnson. So he's a possible selection at halfback. There's Adam McPhee, like we said, Dean Solomon, Michael Hurley, Sean Wellman, Dean Wallace in a halfback in our premiership team in 2000. Can't although I don't cheap. think... Yeah, <laughs> calm down, sheep. I don't think he beats out Hurley, though, so you can probably you know take him off the list. Adam Romanaskis, who I think was highly underrated pre the brain tumour, unfortunately. Adam Saad and Michael Hibbard. Let, let's lock in the lock-ins. So is Ad- Michael Hurley uh, the centre-half back in our 22 and 22? <sighs> I don't know because I still think Sean Mulman should be. Ooh, controversial. So, so, uh, that's right. Make the argument for Sean Wellman. Well, I mean, Sean Wellman. I mean, I know that technically Dean Wallace uh, lined up as the centre half back on paper in the 2000 Grand Final side, but I don't think you could argue that Sean Wellman didn't really play that role because I think Mm. Dean Wallace, bless his heart, was not the most skilled attacker or defender. So with ball in hand or one-on-one, if, you know, he wasn't the greatest player in the world, Fraser Brown can attest to that. Um, <laughs> but what Dean Wallace did do was he did put the fear of God into blokes. If they were standing there knowing he was coming from behind, that's what you'd look at. But so I think, I think in the um, grand final side, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Wellman's actually in the back pocket, which is absurd because I don't think Wellman ever played back pocket in his life. No. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I look at it and go that, that 2000, 2001, 2002, three, and four, Wellman was definitely our, our dominating centre-half back. Um, and, and he actually retired 
very early for for a bloke of uh, of his quality. So he retired at the age of thirty, and I remember at the time it was a bit of a surprise because. We all thought he could go on a bit longer. But having said that, if we're going for the best 22 of 22, oh, yeah, Hurley at centre-half back, probably, he probably spent longer there, I, I guess, than Wellman did. Um, yeah. So, so it, it comes... I think it comes down... So they're both dual Australians. So Wellman has the premiership, which is obviously a plus. But one but, of Wellman's All-Australians yeah. came in 98. So that's where I, I, I had the Hurley as the tiebreaker. So I have... We talk about sliding doors a couple of times. For me, if Michael Hurley doesn't get suspended in 2016, I think he's a three or four time All-Australian to halfback. He was dominant in 15 and 17 when he was named. I think late, so like last couple of years, people, you know, he got a bit of, he turned into a bit of a, a possession hunter instead of a genuine 1v1 defender. But when he was at his best, Michael Hurley, he was outstanding as a as a center half back and you know I, I i'm i think he needs to be across the half back line somewhere just because i think he's the only dual all australian in the group of players i just mentioned yeah, um, look, and, and look I, I tend to agree with you there so and because because we obviously have johnson fletcher and then we have hooker was the other one down back um you yeah. can't really play hurley and wellman as starting on the half back line it's just a little bit too tall so I would probably, yeah, I would go, Michael. I, I think you're right in that that Wellman's career probably just just his dominance just spilled over into the wrong era. So we would probably yep. look at Michael Michael Hurley there in the centre back spot. So flankers, we've got Hardwick, McPhee, Solomon, Ramanaskis, Sard, and Hibbard. I'm going to do something really controversial and just rule Sard out. Three years isn't enough. No, it's not. It's not controversial. He, he just he didn't spend yeah. enough. As good as he was at Essendon, and he was a very good player. As much as some people don't want to hear that, he just didn't spend oh, enough he, time. He didn't spend enough he, time at the club. He he was top what top three in our best and fairest all three years he was here. Like he was an outstanding player. When he, he was a very up. bright star. He just burned yeah. too shortly. Yeah. So it's really Hibbard, McPhee, Solomon, and Hardwick. I think. Adam McPhee was outstanding in 2004. He played a lot of games for us, Adam McPhee, so it snuck up on us. He he, he changed his body shape a little bit, didn't he? So he, he was actually this sort of mercurially athletic, high-flying halfback flanker who had some good pace. And then as his career went on, he sort of beefed up. He sort of got too big and turned into a, a quasi-key position defender. But that he, I, I think, you know, 140 games, North Australian, the best and fairest, he was... You know, an outstanding halfback flanker for us. What are your recollections of Adam McPhee? Yeah, so I remember Adam McPhee came across and, and, and played really well in his first couple of years. And then he obviously dropped down towards the end. So, again, I don't know, did he play long enough at, at there? I'm not sure. And look, I'm going to do something even more controversial than what you did. And I'm going to say Damien Hardwick doesn't fit into the side simply because... If we're talking best twenty-two in twenty-two, he only played two years. Now they might have That's been a, a good very, point. They might have been a very good two years, um, and he certainly and he managed to win the. He won the. He, he won a flag. You know, as an All Australian in two thousand. But I don't think his body of work in the last twenty-two years can count him into the side. I mean, to be yeah. honest, I would probably put based on body of work, Sean Wellman in in front of him. I mean, and, and that's the thing. If we're counting, you know, Sean Wellman, the fact that. That one of his illustrations, the, the fact that he only played 2000, 2004, and that's why we've gone Hurley because he had a better body of work or a longer body of work. I, don't, I, I think the same logic rules Damien Hardwick out. 
That's a probably a good point. So just for the record, uh, seven years at Essendon for Adam McPhee, 140 games. So he basically played 20 games a season for, what is it, seven years. 140 games is not bad. And like I said, 100, uh, there was an All-Australian and a, a Best and Ferris in 2004 in there. So it's Ramanaskis, Hibbard, McPhee, Solomon. So um, I, I, I'm going to put my hill in the ground and say that Dean Solomon should absolutely be in the side because right. I, his, his, his work from 2000 to oh, 2005, I mean, his last year or last wasn't a game wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. But his work from 2000 to 2005 and even up to 2006 as well, he, he, he was integral in that back line and he made everybody stand taller. Um, you know, he does get remembered for his, his shot on Cameron Ling, which despite the fact that people think that was part of his character, I think that was very much outside his character because it was yeah. something that Dean Solomon, you know, I mean, he, he did a lot of that sort of stuff for us without ever breaking the rules. So, so yep. I just look at that and go that Dean Solomon has to be one of those halfback flankers. Yeah. So you played 158 games for Essendon from 98 to 2006, 98 and 99. He played 26 of those. 158, so basically 130 games, so roughly the same as Adam McPhee anyway. Michael Hibbard and Adam Romanaskis, um, just quickly. Hibbo, much loved, left for Melbourne. Um, I, I, for me, he fits into the Adam Saad camp of, you know, six years, 84 games, probably just not enough. Um, and he, he was All-Australian, but he was All-Australian at Melbourne, not at Essendon. And he so, should have been All-Australian at, at Essendon, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's a different yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit... We talk about sliding doors. Man, that him leaving, oh, gosh. And so really, I, I think we've got to pick two of Ramanaskis, who played 100. Just quickly on Ramanaskis, is his brain tumour the first one? He got two, I think. But that, that first brain tumour where... Sort of, he was, he was a rising star, second in the NAB rising star in two thousand, our premiership year. You know, dashing halfback flanker, not like the rest of our defenders who are these dull, thuggish sort of guys. And I mean thuggish in the best way possible, by the way. He was this fleet of foot, silky smooth, um, rebounding defender. You know, he played basically a hundred games in his first five full seasons and then got the brain cancer um, which effectively ended his career he played a few games after that point just one of the big what ifs in Essendon history I think it was actually uh, fibromatosis in his neck I thought it was a brain so, that was, so that 2000, 2003 it was it was cancer in his neck um, oh, which, he, his which neck. he recovered from and then came back 2004 uh, 2005 he actually did his knee which is why he didn't play 2005. 2006, you're right. He then had the, the cancer came back and he didn't play again. 2007, 2008, he managed to come back. But yeah. look, I'm just... So it was, a, it was a neck cancer to brain cancer. My apologies. Yeah. So, yeah. and look, so at the end of the day, my back line, uh, because I th- I think Adam Ramanaskis is one of the greatest what-if stories of all time. He, the fact he came second to Paul Hazelby, it still rankles me. And I still remember Robert Wall saying, <laughs> I still remember Robert Wall saying it's easier for Paul Hay- for Adam Ramanaskis to look to stand out in a good team than it is Paul Hazelby to stand out in a poor uh, Which makes <sighs> absolutely no sense because if you're in a good None. side, you're surrounded by stars. So it's very hard to stand out. So I, my <laughs> my half back line is is Dean Solomon, Michael Hurley, and Adam Ramanaskis. Oh, okay. So I had McPhee, Hurley, Solomon. 
So, <laughs> so the reason okay. I reason I so I pick Sol as I said I, I die on the hill with Solomon over over anyone. Oh, um, I love Dean Solomon. And, don't don't get and, me wrong. And, and the yeah. reason why I go Rammer over McPhee is I just think he adds that that silkiness that McPhee doesn't have. I think I think McPhee and Solomon both have that brute force built, can run, can bump, can do all the tough stuff. But I think Rammer just gives you that silky left foot run. Oh. That, that that back line currently doesn't have. Because if you think about it, Fletcher Hooker and Johnson are also not the silkiest players in the world. Um, so but, I, I think you need to be the silk down back, and I think Rama gives us that. And Grizz, we have two minutes and 20, so make your case if you're going to argue. <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, maybe take that time stamp out, Barry. But um, oh, I don't know. I feel really conflicted because, like you said, I, I feel like if Rama played 250 games... You know, he could have been anything, but we're, we're going off what happened. Um, and McPhee did have the no no season Rammer had was better than McPhee's 2004. So, you know, are we talking peak? Are we talking about sort of balance of the team? I'd argue um, his 2002 was better than, than Adam McPhee's, and I'd argue his 2000 was pretty bloody close too. But I, I, I think you're looking at balance of team. But anyway. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to argue too much oh i don't know i'm really conflicted um you got got less than a minute so australia hasn't had really uh, australia i'll take that Essendon really haven't had that many all australians and i feel like that should count for something somewhere along the line um if we're not picking ramanaskis if we're not sorry if we're not picking mcfee in the 22 in the 18 he has to be in the 22 for mine so can we make that concession or we can debate the bench when we come to it Oh, don't do that to me. Um, yeah, all right, let's do it. So, back flank, as selected, just for the sake of time, we'll go back flank, Ramanuskas, centre back, Michael Hurley, other half back, Dean Solomon. It's basically the 2000 premiership so far with Hurley and Hooker, but that's all right. Right, so that will do us for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. The next line, of course, is the centre line. So, by all means, shoot us through your suggestions. Michael Long does not count because all his brilliant work was done prior to the 22 in. 22 years but thank you once again for joining me Grizz and I may not be here next week but you will be with a special guest that we don't know who is just yet no we don't know just yet but I look forward to uh, talking to everyone next week